0: What's going on, Haley? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> super glad to have you. Um, super excited for this episode of the God Is Awesome podcast. If anyone is listening out there, thank you for streaming us on your device. Um, and you could find us on all the major places where you could download um, podcasts. This is the God Is Awesome podcast, where we interview. Uh, everyday regular Christians about an awesome and not everyday God, an internal God rather, and how they how He's changed their lives and just held them through like all the kinds of crazy nonsense that this world and its depravity has to offer. Um, if you don't know, my name is Aaron. I will be your host uh, for this episode, and we have on the line my good friend Kaylee Clark. Kaylee, <laughs> hello,
1: hello, oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: I'm excited too. Um, I just want to let anyone know out there if you, uh, you know, really feel this podcast. If you feel like um, someone would benefit from it, or someone uh, might resonate, have a similar story. Uh, we're trying to build a community here, and I'm sure Kaylee would not object to. saying what's up, saying hi to these people. Maybe you, I know she's very wise. Honestly, she's one of the most God-fearing um, and genuine people, and uh, I, I, I feel like she would, she wouldn't mind unless she reverts into her introverted self. Uh, Not talking to some people here (laughs) online, but um, yeah, so be sure to share this podcast and get connected with Kaylee if you feel led to. Anyway, Kaylee, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, You know, tell us a little bit about yourself, origin story, uh, where you're coming from, how you grew up, um, and how that all led to Christ.
2: Oh, wow. Um, So, well, first, my name is Kaylee, um, and as far as where I came from, I grew up in florida i still live in florida i grew up in a little small town in fort pierce florida mm. and um my parents kind of i guess my story of growing up i grew up in the church um i grew up in the same church that my parents got married in i went there for 20 22 years of my life wow years long time so um, I went through. I mean, high school, middle school, elementary. You know, grew up in the nursery. Oh. Grew up on Veggie Tales. Church up girl. In, all of the. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. All of that. Um, VBS. You got VBS. the badges, awanas.
2: Oh gosh. <laughs> I did not do a lot. I did do um, what is it? I did do mission nets. So that was
0: mission nets. I've never heard of that one. That's okay.
2: Yeah, it's basically like the, Christian Girl Scouts. I don't know. Is that the <laughs> version? <laughs> no.
0: I'm sorry. It's probably a great ministry. I'm just joking. Okay. So, <laughs> cool.
2: Um. Yeah. So I did that for a while, and um, I, I remember saying the Salvation Prayer when I was about six years old. Um, And I think my earliest memory that I had of really anything Christian-based was my dad reading me Bible stories when I was a kid.
1: Um,
2: I remember and like thinking back to it i realized i'm like they were stories from the old testament so they were like i did not understand at all what was going on yeah. and <laughs> like, they
0: all died and yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. david
0: cut his head off and <laughs> <laughs> crazy good night sweetie good night <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love you
2: you know i just look back and i'm like he was doing the best he could for what he yeah. knew to do like it was okay
0: and <laughs> and she seduced her stepfather into sleeping with him.
2: <laughs> and all of the animals loaded up on the ark, and everyone else and died. death yeah.
0: to everyone in the world. Okay, isn't that funny? Yeah. That's, that's like the Old Testament, not to be not to be joked with.
2: No, it's not. I look back on it, I was like, why are we painting pictures about
0: no, this? Yeah, <laughs> it's some Game of Thrones type of stuff, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was crazy. So I remember like kind of going through that with my dad um, as a kid and my parents, you know, my mom and my dad taking me to church on Sundays, kind of like fill in the gap a little bit about what happened.
1: Sure.
2: <laughs> but I remember at like six years old, that was kind of the first time that I had been introduced to the concept of Jesus mm-hmm. and understanding, like, okay. Getting saved and you know, doing this thing and saying this prayer is the right thing to do. Like this is just the next step in you know being part of my family. Really, gotcha. yeah. So okay. that's kind of where I came from. Um, and
0: so you saved guess- early on. You were saved early on, and then you kind of just lived the churchy life, right? Yeah. Did you ever rebel or anything?
2: Um, I mean, in my own way, I guess I did. But yeah. It, it was kind of more of just, I didn't really understand. I didn't understand the weight of the gospel or really anything like that until I was probably about 20, 22 years old.
0: Oh, okay. Um, what do you mean by weight of the gospel?
2: So I really didn't understand, like, oh, probably should back up a little bit, but <laughs> when I was about 13, Right, I went through the whole teenager thing. I did the whole, you know, liking boys and trying to impress boys and trying to get boys to like me and all of that. Sure, stuff. sure. I realized at attention. That time, that was, yes, yeah, all of the attention. Um, and I realized, you know, like looking back, that was when I started going to youth group, and that was when I started kind of being more around kids my own age and the whole. Teenage drama, and that was really the time in my life when I got probably into the most trouble as a kid. Okay. Just because I was, I was a little brat when I was thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Was. And I, you know, I had kind of, I don't know, I was just going through like the whole hormonal puberty type sure. deal. Sure. And part puberty,
0: part depravity. That's. <laughs> Maybe puberty is a result of depravity. I'm not even sure. The I don't know. Of... <laughs> I don't
2: know. Yeah. Either way, I was a little sinner when I was 13. <laughs>
0: sure. We were over.
2: Um, still am to this day. But um, so around that time was when I started kind of, I guess, under, like understanding more things and understanding more things about the Bible and understanding more about the gospel, but not like, I don't know. It's I guess that's more later on in my life that I mm-hmm. did. Um, but I remember going to youth camp um, one summer and it was, so I grew up in an assemblies of God, Pentecostal church. Okay. So pretty charismatic. Like we didn't do the whole, you know, speaking in tongues and like being slain in spirit type deal, but it was still very charismatic in its own way. So, okay. At this camp, what we did was the pastor had showed us clips of the Passion of the Christ. So we had talked about the crucifixion and we talked about all of the stuff. I mean, he went right for it. Like, he did yeah. not play any games. Don't he play no like, games. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was the, I mean, at the time it was probably the best, I guess, visualization that you could get from something like that. So, how, old,
0: how old were you?
2: I was 13.
0: So you see bloody Jesus hanging from a cross, all these lacerations on yeah. the horns. Oh, isn't a raven like picking at his eye or something like that?
2: Yeah, something crazy. Yeah. It okay. was very, very intense. Okay. Um, and, and what
0: what did that do for you?
2: So it helped me to understand really, you know, help me understand the weight of the gospel and the cost of the gospel. And it also helped me understand, wow, God doesn't just love me like this. He Mm -hmm. loves other people like this. And that was really the first time that I had grasped that notion. um, Because for a while, it was just, I grew up around church people. Like, (laughs) you know, I didn't really have a lot of unsaved people around me and so whenever I went into high school and I went into middle school I was more I had more friends at school and I had more friends that you know didn't know that they didn't know Jesus and so it was a very new concept to me but all of a sudden I went from you know having these friends all of my friend group really being at church to having these people that you know they don't they don't know that this is what Jesus right. did for them.
0: sheltered church girl into culture shock like <laughs> all kinds of craziness yeah yeah craziness. Okay.
2: it was it was so that was kind of like my first introduction into the world yeah through you know middle school and high school and I think that's probably why it was kind of a big turning point in my faith
0: yeah and and so like you, you saw it as like a reality or like like this was historical or it put like an image in your brain? Like what What specifically did it do for you?
2: So specifically, yeah, it did. It left an image in my mind of what happened. And, you know, I understand now, like that's not even scratching the surface of what actually yeah. happened. But it gave me an understanding of, wow, like this is a real event in history. Mm-hmm. And when I read the Bible, this is what really happened.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So where did that take you? Where do you go from there in your spiritual?
2: So, from there, um, around that age, I, you know, I was involved in mission trips and I was involved in like all this other stuff. Like, it helped me get more serious, mm-hmm. I would say, about my faith and about okay. the power of God. Um, I would say, probably, and at that point, I really, I didn't have any kind of I didn't have anything. I feel like I didn't really have anything oppressed. Like I do not say oppressing me, but like I didn't really have any real world issues at the time. You know, yeah. I was in high school. I was, you know, pretty much sheltered yeah. up until that point. And um, although it was probably around that time that I started getting into more serious relationships with dating and mm-hmm. all of that, and those were the times where I realized. If God is not in control, then I'm in serious trouble. <laughs> like,
0: what? Why did that come? Why did that thought hit you?
2: So, I would say probably around, I would say seventeen was probably kind of a rough age in my life, mm-hmm. um, just because I started dating this guy um, that was older than me, and. I was against everyone that I knew was like, why are you doing
1: this?
2: Like, why are you involved with this person? And he was very, our belief system was different. Our, you know, I don't really think he was a Christian, even though he claimed to be a Christian, there was just a lot of stuff going on there.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And he was very, self-absorbed, very much into, you know, I don't know, he was just very self-absorbed is a very good way to describe it. Gotcha. So much so that he would start kind of criticizing me for my body image, and he would start criticizing me for, you know, my weight or, you know, the way that I dress or like things like that. Yeah, it was a really it was not a good situation to be in at 17 years old.
0: Yeah. You're so your image, your identity is so formally formulative and stuff. So yeah. What did that do for your self-worth? What did you do for, for your spirit?
2: It, so I would say probably around that age was when I started to kind of, um, I developed a lot of anxiety from that. And it's when I started to kind of try and, I guess at that moment, like when I was in that relationship, I tried so very hard to change him and I tried to change the situation and I tried to control things. Mm. Um, I tried to kind of make whatever was happening go away. How? And I just, I was just very, I would say things turned really combative and Mm -hmm. like we would argue a lot. We would over like really dumb things, really dumb things. Things looking back now, I'm like, should have left him a long time ago, you know? Um, So what'd you say? So I ended up breaking up with him. I was the one that done it.
0: Um,
2: But that came after. And I remember in my mind thinking, okay, you know, I'll give him... X, Y, and Z amount of time. Just two more months. <laughs> two more months in this relationship. And, you know, things might get better. That was always my thought was things will get better. Things will get better. Yeah. Things will get better. And they didn't until yeah. I did something about it. Yeah. Um, but kind of going back to your question of, like, what did that do, you know, for my self-image and all of that stuff, it really, it really dug a nail into how I viewed myself and mm. how I, you know, viewed my body and how I viewed, you know, the way that God made me. Um, and kind of, I guess, tying into that, I really struggled with um, positive, like, I don't want to say positive body image, but just accepting my body. Sure. Image probably around 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Um that was a weird time for me (laughs) you know is that that weird period of time where like you grow out of the kid clothes yeah you're not really you're like in no man's land like (laughs) am i an adult
0: what do do i I do with my life Yeah. yeah yeah
2: like who am i what am i doing so i remember at that time period of time i went to it was like my first women's conference you know that they held it was the revolve girls conference way back in the day okay and, um, I remember that was really the first time that I had heard anything in the Bible mentioning, you know, being fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and I remember coming home from that weekend coming home from that moment and that just sticking in my mind. And I like looking back now, I really believe that God saw that part of my life coming and he put people in my life at that time that were constantly, um, I want to say, constantly like in conflict with what I believed about myself, to mm. be true, what I felt, you know, they were constantly speaking the truth over me, even though I didn't
0: Yeah, we were always kind of like, get out of you don't know what I'm feeling. And stuff like that. Yeah,
2: yeah being melodramatic, typical teenager stuff. But yeah. looking back on it, I was like, that was a really important time to yeah. speak up and you know, tell somebody the truth.
0: And God is speaking through these people to you despite yeah. how you take it or not.
2: Yeah. yeah, yes.
0: So so where did that take you from there?
2: So from there, um, I would say, so continuing on with my 17, 18-year-old life, um, after that... I kind of took a hiatus from relationships for a while, probably yeah. for about two. And it wasn't a long hiatus. It was like two years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, so eternity for like someone at that age. <laughs>
2: yeah. Eternity. For
0: yeah.
2: A for, like a, for like an
0: 18 year old. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. So around that time um, I did, I met this other boy and we, you know, we kind of liked each other, and we kind of were, you know, talking back and forth, and things were like really unclear, but we knew that we liked each other. So it was kind of <laughs> like, just, "I like you, you like me," but we're not doing anything. We it.
0: like like each other or like each other because like we like, 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 like. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. So that happened. I was like 18 years old, and it was the first time that someone had told me, you know, I really like you. But God is telling me not to date you. <laughs> like, had that whole like situation, right? It was weird. It was weird. I remember looking back at that. I was like,
0: because God be gives them, because a- when God speaks to you, it's going to be about dating advice. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So
0: all the things to choose, you know, to talk to you about.
2: Uh- yeah. Right. Like. Okay. Yeah. So. But okay, so looking back at that, like, even though and I look at that, I'm like, okay, well, if it really was God, mm-hmm. you know, then obviously, this wouldn't pan out like this wouldn't work out something crazy would happen during that time. So, anyway, so we talked about it and he's, you know, told me give me the whole spiel. And I'm, like, devastated, right? Like, this is the first boy that I had liked since going through all the crazy stuff that I went through in, when I was 17. So, I and it was weird. It was a weird concept for me. I had no framework to put that in in my mind of what do I do when God tells somebody
0: I, no to do he, something He pulled like the card out of his head. I mean, you can't <laughs> say no to
2: God. Yeah, like, what is that, you know? So... <laughs> So I was very confused. I was very pretty heartbroken over it. Like I just didn't know what to do. I was really, I was angry at God. Like, you know, I didn't, I had no idea. And that was the really the first time that I experienced ever being angry at God. Like Hmm. I, just because things were so unclear, I was like, why, (laughs) why would you do this? Like, why would you let this happen?
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, so over time and of course I was constantly thinking like what's wrong with me, you know, what's wrong with me? Why, why not me? Like what's going on? And so it was probably for about a span of maybe two to three weeks. Um, people that had no idea what was going on, you know, had no clue. Like I was even involved with this person or like didn't even know who this person was. Mm -hmm. Um, we would get into conversations somehow, some way about the chapter John 15. Okay. And I'm not kidding you. Like, it happened over the course of about, like, two to three weeks. And, like, random things. Like, I would go to church services, like, throughout the week or whatever. And they'd be like, guess what we're talking about? <laughs> John 15. I'm like, did I, like, miss a meeting somewhere? Yeah. Like, happening? So... I finally read it because I realize I haven't actually read that chapter of the Bible at this point. So I read it and I realize, you know, it's Jesus talking to his disciples Mm -hmm. and, you know, he gets done teaching the crowd and he kind of is just talking to them and he gives them the example of I'm the vine and my father is the vine dresser and you are the branches. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he who does not abide in me is basically j- just done. Like there's nothing you can do. You can't bear fruit yep. if you don't abide in me. And mm-hmm. so he kind of goes through the whole thing of, you know, abide in me, abide in my love. And so I'm like looking at this word, I'm like, okay, this is obviously important. So yeah. You're like trying figure to figure out, what,
0: figure out uh, <laughs> what kind of message are you telling me? God? <laughs>
2: yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was strange. And I've never had anything like that happened to me before.
0: So, so what did, what did you take away from that?
2: So, I looked it up, and I looked up the word "abide," and I realized that one of the definitions, at least English definition, is to make a home in, or to be at home in, and which is the story behind my little tattoo. Well,
0: let me see the um, tattoo. What's what what's the tattoo of? Describe it to me. It's, it's a little house. Oh, it, says, and
2: it says "abide." Yeah, gotcha. So, um, that story will come later, I'm sure. But, um, so once I read that definition of the word "abide," it kind of opened up my understanding to what this means and what Jesus is talking about—like to live in something. It's not just a temporary. You know, one and done type deal. It's you know, you're if you're living somewhere, if you're living in something, you're unpacking your bags, like mm-hmm. you're unpacking stuff. You're putting paint on the walls. You're, you know, you're making yourself at home, yeah, wherever it is that you're abiding in. So, sorry, I have a little notification. Okay, <laughs> um, so when I read that and I read it with that understanding it really is like, you know, regardless of what happens in my life, I understood it as I can make a home here. Like Jesus, the church, like mm-hmm. this is my home, regardless of where I go. Like I'm always welcome here. And it really gave me, at least at that point in life, it gave me a lot of closure. Um, you know, it, kind of helped me to stop the wondering of why you know why god did you let this happen and sure. all of that stuff and so really from that point on anytime something crazy happened in my life i went through a breakup i went through a transition i kid you not <laughs> in some way that verse always came up Aww. so it's it's
0: it's kind of like a life verse here so it 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 gives you like a stability in the middle of like whatever craziness is going on like hey you still have a home with god yeah home with his people that's all that's That's cool and then then you have the tattoo to to solidify it cool i don't know so you said uh uh eventually god saves you physically physical life well how did that come out
2: so okay Well, it leads into the next part of my life.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, So that relationship ends, right? And about three years later, I'm in college. I'm doing my things. um, I go to Southeastern University in Lakeland. Mm -hmm. So I'm away from home. And it's the first time that I've ever been away from home anywhere, Mm -hmm. um, living anywhere anyway. So I'm kind of like, you know, and being in college and like the first time I've ever had to deal with anything like that. So there's a lot of stuff going on in my life at that time. And all of a sudden, I get this text message from the same boy that I had gone through all of this other stuff with, you know, when I was like 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And we start talking again. And we start to kind of entertain the idea of getting into a relationship. And all the while, in the back of my mind, there's the conversation of, if God really meant this, or he really spoke to you, or he really didn't want any of sure. that to happen, then obviously I'm going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, Obviously, I can just do whatever the heck I want, and then yeah. I'll come over with the same thing anyway. <laughs> So we ended up, we dated for like two months and it was probably at that point in my life that I really started struggling with like depression and anxiety because of all of the stuff that, you know, I was away from home, first of all, dealing with this breakup and dealing with not only a breakup, but also dealing with the fact that I disobeyed God in some way, like thinking in my head,
1: Mm. you
2: know? And thinking also that I misheard God, that mm-hmm. I didn't understand him, or that, you know, I had somehow committed this sin right. that was unforgivable. You right. know? Um, and so I went through probably, and I didn't really realize what was going on in my body at mm-hmm. that point, but I remember one day thinking to myself, and this was probably a couple weeks after um, we had broken up um, I realized I was like you know I can sleep for like 12 hours yeah. and wake up and not feel a thing like mm-hmm. feel like I haven't slept a wink and I tried to kind of like push it away push it away push it away and just think of it as no big deal when first of all, I was going to school to become a psychology major to begin with. So I was really just fooling myself. Sure. Um, so what's the and part so,
0: anxiety? Like what, what is it like having that?
2: So it differs, um, person to person and it affects your body. Um, I would say, or at least my body, um, because, all right, so I'm going to get like, nerd here but yeah. so your brain whenever you have anxiety or whenever you have depression um, it produces these certain it's called chemical pathways in your brain so when you have depression or when you have whatever it's caused by it causes a chemical imbalance in your brain
1: mm-hmm.
2: so and over time as you continue to go on if you don't seek treatment or if you don't seek help those chemical pathways, they get ingrained into your brain. And so if your brain is producing these chemicals that are, you know, kind of going through your body, your body is going to respond in some way, shape, or form. So whether that's you get sick all the time or you get tired all the time, you feel like you have no energy. um, For me, it was, it was just a culmination of things. Like I developed allergies. I developed, um, severe fatigue Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and I, I did have suicidal thoughts for probably the first time in my life. And that was terrifying. Mm. Um, So that really developed a lot of anxiety in me too. Um, Because I didn't, and it was very strange because I went to a Christian college and mental health and really physical health was not talked about hardly at all, unless you were in the classroom
0: so you're in this Christian environment, Christian college, everything should be great at a Christian school yeah. and internally you're suffering.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was probably one of the most lonely experiences of my life, honestly. Like, it was the first time that I really didn't feel at home anywhere. Yeah. And
0: and this feeling of being at home is super important to you because of everything else. And yeah. so you felt like a wanderer and alone. Yeah in a school where christians it's supposed to be like oh it's christians like they're all supposed to care and love for you and yeah you don't
2: feel it yeah and it was really interesting to me because that was really the first time that i had experienced any kind of interaction with mental health and the church and um
0: i feel like that's a, i feel yeah. like that's a very untapped thing you know untalked about untapped thing like mental yeah. health because a lot of people just write it off you know yeah. And then if you yeah. write it off, that's even like, that's like the worst thing you can do for someone who's like suffering from mental health. It's like,
2: yeah. 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 It really, it really, really is. Um, And I remember, I do remember this one time I was on campus and a friend of mine, someone that I had just kind of, I feel like when I was going through that, mm-hmm. I saw people that, I saw people, I guess, in a way that a lot of other people didn't, you know, because I feel like whenever you are going through something like that, whenever you're going through depression or you're going through anxiety, you can easily recognize it, recognize it, excuse me, in other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was one time I was on campus and one of my friends, we were just talking and, um, I remember he looked at me and he said something along the lines of I see what you're doing. Like, I see what you're going through. Or, no, no, no. I remember what he said. <laughs> I was we were in the cafeteria and we were having lunch, like a group of us together. And he was really the only one that knew anything about what was going on at the time. He was one of the first people I told. Um, and I had told him you know, whenever I had gone through that really awful breakup, um, I told him that I just screamed. Really, I just screamed the whole way home because I was so just distraught with everything. It was kind of like the hay, or not the hay, oh my gosh, <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I remember like telling him about that experience mm-hmm. and inside I just had so much there was so much anxiety going on inside me still and I remember everyone got up and they left and they cleaned out you know their plates or whatever and he just looked at me and he said I can still see the screaming that's going on and that was the first time that I had felt not alone Um, in that environment because someone wasn't afraid to talk to me about what I was going Mm -hmm. through.
0: So sometimes, so like for the best, the best thing for you was just acknowledgement, not even just acknowledging that, yeah, you are in pain and you are suffering. Yeah. And you felt like like before that no one acknowledged it. No one even knew.
2: Yeah. And it was just this real, I felt, I guess I felt afraid that, you know, people would know or people would find out. And I was afraid of what they would think of me. And so it was a very shameful, I guess, experience Mm. because, you know, here I am on this Christian campus, church girl grew up in church, grew up with this pretty much a golden childhood. And like, everything was great, you know, Um, and being a psychology major on top of it all, like what were people going to think of me if I struggled with depression and anxiety? Sure.
0: Sure. Uh-huh. And it's like, like, like if you're a Christian, everything's good. God's got you and got you blessings and you're saved. Like there's no reason for you to suffer mentally. And that's why you felt like you had to hide it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really, really. Yes.
0: So when um, someone says something, I see you screaming. It's kind of like a release. Like, yeah, finally someone sees me.
2: Yeah. Like I'm going to be okay because yeah. someone's got their eyes on me. Yeah. You know?
0: and, and not, it's not necessarily that someone, your friend has to tell you some magic line or word. Yeah. But just recognizes that what you're going through.
2: Yeah. Mm. And looking back on that experience, I totally believe that that was God, yeah. you know, placing that person in my life to kind of just help me see like, you're not, you're not alone. And so around that time, I really did experience a lot of, a lot of anger, um, with God and being, being at a Christian college. And I remember there was one night I was in the girl's bathroom and Obviously, it's a Christian college, so they have Bible verses posted everywhere. We had a, a, a verse of the month, right? Like right over
0: the toilet, right, right over the, the...
2: It was literally right over toilet. The... <laughs> I don't know. They do weird stuff. <laughs> so,
0: God is always with you. <laughs> yeah. <Okay.
1: laughs> we
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so I remember it was April, and. April's verse of the month was Isaiah 40. And it was the verse that said, you know, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall rise up on wings like eagles. And I remember reading that and for the first time really ever in my life thinking to myself, that's not true. Hmm. Like that's not, if that's true, then I shouldn't be, going through any of this like I shouldn't be you know feeling this way every day when I wake up feeling like I should just go back to bed or feeling like you know going to sleep every night having those thoughts of I don't want to wake up in the morning you know why thinking to myself why am I experiencing that if this is true if this is a promise of God and I like it was the first time that I ever had like an angry prayer of just asking God why? Like why is this a thing? Why is this happening to me? Why are you if you're all good and you're all powerful, why are you letting this happen?
0: Yeah. And And it's nothing like externally, right? It's just internal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. "This, This could easily
0: be just plucked from me.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I remember, you know, there was no kind of magical transformation that happened in the girls' bathroom stall. <laughs> like, I wish I could tell people, like, oh, there was some magic. Like, I got chills and, you know, boom, depression was gone. <laughs> but that's not how that worked at all. Um, it was a long, long process of... Finally admitting to myself. I remember there was one night. I was driving back home I was driving back to school from home um, And this is probably when I was about 20 21 22 somewhere around there mm-hmm. um, So I had been struggling with this for at least two years at this point
1: mm-hmm.
2: off and on and I remember thinking to myself, like it was, it had to be God because there was no way in my frame of mind that I could have conjured up this. (laughs) Um, Because I remember like I would go through periods where everything was great and everything, you know, was, Mm -hmm. it feel, you know, it felt normal. Um, Everything was, you know, weight was lifted off my shoulders and whatever. And looking back on it, I really do feel like at least at those moments, of experiencing depression. It really was the enemy just
0: hmm.
2: attacking my mind, like constantly, constantly um, because I did, I just had thoughts of not wanting to live anymore. Yeah. And I didn't understand where it was coming from. I was like, this is not, and that's what I realized. I was like, this is not coming from me. Like, this is not just, it's not in my character. You know, it's not like in something that I would normally do. So, I remember having that and feeling so much shame and feeling so much like I shouldn't be struggling with this. I shouldn't be, you know, going through this. I shouldn't be, you know, doing all this stuff. Like I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm doing all of this great stuff. You're checking off all the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I shouldn't be doing all that.
0: So what did that do for your faith and your belief in God?
2: Oh my gosh. It really, it really, really messed me up um, for a while. And I remember that night driving back home or driving back to school. I had this really clear, clear thought in like the midst of all of this chaos going on in my mind of a lie is just as powerful as any kind of power that you give it. So it's not powerful if you don't give it any power, if you don't believe it. Mm. And for the first time, Since struggling with that, I realized that that is what depression is. That's what depression and anxiety are. It's the result of believing some kind of lie
1: lie. about
2: Hmm. and or about God in this case, because that's really what it came from. Sure. Um, So how
0: how did you get out of it?
2: So that was really the first kind of... I would say break in the clouds in my mind at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second step for me was to just admit it to myself is this is where I'm at. I have depression. (laughs) Like I have this thing that I was so afraid of having. Was it hard? Going through. It was really scary. (laughs) It was really scary. Even just having that thought and like thinking I have depression. I could hear it in your voice.
0: It's It's hard. It's like hard yeah. to admit or something. It mm. is
2: hard. It was a very difficult experience because, and then I realized I was like, if I can't admit this to myself, I'm not going to be able to get help. I'm not going to be able to, you know, get out of it. And once I acknowledged that, it was like, it really was, it was a game changer for me um, because mm. from that point on, I realized I was like, okay, well, if this is true and I have this thing, then that means that there are other people out there that are like me, and I'm not alone. Which is the biggest lie that I believed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Continuously,
2: you know, fed that was I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone, and I'm not alone. Yeah. And so, through that process and understanding, you know, who God is and who He's kind of placed in my life and what He's done in my life, from that point on is just a kind of reminding me constantly, constantly, you are not alone. You were never alone, <laughs> Yeah. never alone. Even when you felt alone, you were never alone. Yeah. And, and that's
0: a lot for a Christian, you know, like it's like, yeah. especially if you're struggling, like that to me is um, almost really big aspects of hell, right? To be separated, to yes. be alone.
2: Yeah. Um, and the yeah. question is
0: that in the mind.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Um, And it was really difficult for me as well because being in a Christian college and being surrounded by scripture and being surrounded by, you know, all of these things, it, what happened for me was, or the way that I experienced it was there was a twisting of scripture. There was a twisting of understanding. And for the longest time, I did have this thought in my mind of, well, God is sovereign. Like if I end my life, like obviously he ordained it. Like, which is looking back on it, I'm like, that is, that's what crazy (laughs) people like. (laughs) I was a crazy person, I was one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember that was such a dark, dark thing Mm -hmm. in my life to believe that. And it was God's okay with you
0: ending your life. And
2: yeah, because (laughs) it reflected that I believed number one, that my life was not valued by God and that it wasn't worth valuing by God. And I remember at the time I was reading through, I think I was reading through Psalm 119 and there was a verse in Psalm 119. I can't remember exactly where it's at because there's a lot in there. (laughs) But there was a verse that had said something along the lines of, your word is for my life Mm. and your commands are for my life. They're life-giving.
1: Yeah.
2: And that, that completely just decimated that lie that I had. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because (laughs) that's what was being twisted around in my mind. So for me, like I knew in that moment that that was God, that had to be God because I was using... God's word against myself, hmm. so He had to be the one to use it to save me. Sure, and that was huge.
0: <laughs> so that what? Would huge. You, so what would you? So if that's how you propelled out of it, right? If God, that's how God saw you out, it's like Scripture, right? Just soaking Absolutely. in Scripture and praying that God will speak through the words to get to you and to destroy any lies. What would you what's your advice to someone who's suffering from depression, anxiety, a Christian that doesn't feel like anyone understands about what? Give me some advice for them. if They're listening
2: here. Well, um, first, I would have to say that you're not alone. Hmm. Like I said, you were never alone. Um, you know, there are there are Christians, there are sound. And that was something that under, I really had to. Wrap my brain around too was there are people in the Bible that scripture mentions that suffer with depression or suffered with it. Sure. That suffered with anxiety. You know, just because you have this thing in your life Mm -hmm. does not make you, you know, doesn't make God incapable of still bringing glory to himself through you. And that is another thing too is a lot of times depression comes from. A lack of purpose or not believing that you have purpose or sure. that you're needed you're and, useless yeah
0: and not worth anyone's you know anything yeah mm.
2: and um so for me that was so helpful it was so helpful to have people that I admired um that I looked up to to share their story of their own struggles
0: oh um like testimonies and-
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because it shows you, it shows you that you aren't alone. Like it is a fact, (laughs) you're not alone. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the
0: message you're trying to get through someone who feels like they're alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And um, so, also, it helped me understand because when I struggled with depression, like the biggest moments that I struggled with depression it was always paired with anxiety because i didn't know how to handle my own thoughts and feelings like i felt it's a it's an like unusual sensation to feel overwhelmed by what you're feeling and overwhelmed by what you're thinking and feeling like you just don't trust yourself at that point you don't trust the things that are going on inside you you know And if you've never experienced that, it can be really scary. It can be really scary. Sure. Um, So what helped me kind of through that and what still helps me today um, is just talking to people. You know, when I feel alone or when I feel that, you know, that lie kind of trying to take root back in my life, I have to reach out to somebody. Yeah. And I have to just tell them what's going on, you
0: know? It creeps back in and then you gotta like continually use God's people to like fend that off and stuff like that. God works in his people. Yeah. Do you have any advice? I Got two two more questions here. We're running up on time, but once the first question is, do you have any advice for people who are on the outside of someone who's suffering from depression? Like say advice from, you you just gave advice for someone in depression and anxiety. But what about me who I you know I'm not struggling but maybe my friend does. Right. What should I do?
2: Um I would say well also there was one really important thing I had to mention for the question before
1: that. Sure. Sorry. Don't
2: be afraid to get therapy. Don't. Mm. It's not a dirty word yeah. in Christianity. Oh, no, that's it's not so a important. dirty word in the church. Right.
0: Super important. Getting professional <laughs> help, therapeutic. Yeah, that's super yeah. super important.
2: So moving and transitioning on from that. Um, yeah. I would say, I mean, like I said before, it varies person to person. Um, everyone experiences that differently. But I do know the like biggest thing for myself and from what I understand from other people going through depression is you have this fear of not wanting to be alone and not wanting to feel alone. hmm being alone physically is not helpful. So, whenever someone is going through depression, or if you have a friend that's going through depression, just be there for them. Just physically, as much Bod- as possible. Bodily
0: be there around them.
2: Be there. Or check in on them, you know, with a text if you can't do that. It really is as simple as just reaching out to people and okay. checking what if in. They, what if they
0: deny me? What if they say, They ignore my texts or whatever. That could get frustrating for me, right?
2: Yeah, and that happens with people that have depression. You know, they don't always reach back out to other people, especially if they feel isolated or if they feel alone or if they're coping with that that way.
0: Maybe they want to be wanted, but they don't want to want to be around them. But they just, you know, like people play that game, right? Especially, you're caught in this lie. What do I do if someone keeps denying me?
2: Um, I would say. Keep at it.
0: it. I'm sinful, right? I know myself. I'm gonna be like, fine. You know, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Suffer yourself. You know what I mean? I've I've been there for you, and then I'll I'll write off all the times that I was there for them and say, look how many times I've been there for you. Yeah. And I'll Um, get mad. And that's that's what really happens. And then that causes more distance.
2: Yeah. That is very, very true. Um, that's very, very true. I think (laughs) I think like I guess the parting advice or wisdom that I would kind of share with someone is realize that what that person is doing is not about you. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about something that you did.
0: That's great advice. You know? Yeah.
2: Not about what you, you know, it's because sometimes you just, they have, you know, anxiety or they have depression and all that stuff. And they don't want to reach back out. Yeah. But by you continuously doing that and by you continuously reaching out to them and continuously kind of just trying to be for, you know, be there for them in any way that you can, yeah. it really does help combat that lie that they're alone. Because yeah. clearly they're not. You're annoying them. <laughs> yeah, man, that's what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> and that's, that's a true story, man. I'm only saying that from like some experience here. I don't, I don't know. And I'm not one to like, maybe I'll hit depression. Or maybe I'll suffer from that. I just not. That's not my struggle. Yeah. And I don't, and knowing myself, I don't, I don't see, yes. honestly, I do not see how that, like, attacks someone. Yeah. But I can see the effects on them. So I recognize something's happening. I just don't think it's, it's my struggle.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. like, when I'm so mentally, technically detached from that. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. understand. I try to reach out to them. Right. One, two, three, every day, every day, every day. And they shut me down. I'm like... <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that's so key to say, like, it's not about me, you know? Like, that's not about, like, it's not their anxiety or their pushing back is not yeah. what I did or what I didn't do. It's just what they're going through at the time. And I think that's awesome. super helpful. I wish I knew that. I wish I knew that.
2: I wish I did too earlier yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, obviously, like, it's the churchy answer to say, but really do pray for them. Yeah, um, because just knowing and let them know, like, even if they don't respond to you or even if they don't look at your texts or whatever, let them know I'm praying for you mm. because just knowing that somebody is praying for me or is appealing to God on my behalf. Yeah. Again, kind of combats that lie sure. that I'm really not alone. Sure. And I would say, I mean, for people that are looking to kind of, you know, get out of depression and get out of that rut, take some time to learn about yourself, you know, learn about your triggers, learn about your, you know, what kind of brings that on. Because depression does not just happen overnight. (laughs) It's always caused by something. It's It's always caused by, you know, thoughts or like anxiety or whatever. Ask God to reveal those things to you and he will.
1: That's
0: great. Yeah. Do you have any um parting words uh for us, words of wisdom, anything like any last advice, anything you left out?
2: Oh boy. Oh. Um, otherwise I got
0: one last question for you.
2: Okay. <laughs> it, maybe. I don't okay. know.
0: Well, before I ask it, I just want to let everyone know. Thank you for if you reached the end of this uh, uh episode, we really want to thank you. This is something that honestly is true to my heart, really close to my heart. Um yeah. I uh I really feel for I have a lot of empathy for someone who struggles by themselves, um, doesn't have any relationships or thinks they don't have any relationships. It's still exactly. the same hell. You know, loneliness is a special kind of hell um, that it, it's like if you if you're dealing with something, it's bad. But then if you're dealing with something and you're alone, it's even worse. You know, what I mean, like yeah. and so it's a it's yeah. a certain type of hell and it's it's uh, reflected in the separation of God. Right. Loneliness and stuff like that. And God saves us into community, community, community. So that's for one, if you guys know anyone who is who's listening here, if you guys know anyone who's suffering for depression, please w- listen back to this testimony and do your own research, read some books or something. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, really. And pray and all the stuff that Kaylee said, I mean, it's all like firsthand experience. Um, but thank you for listening. We want to thank uh, everyone who supported all the supporters, everyone who's, uh, in the group, the Fringe Network, um, all that stuff. Anyway, I got to say thanks to everybody. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up, Kaylee. Um, why do you think God
2: is awesome? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I think God is awesome because he saved me when I was completely useless to him when I could do nothing for him. Um, and he didn't just, you know, that's through Jesus, but he didn't just save me that one time, you know, he didn't just save me for eternal life, like one event, one and done, which he totally had right to do. Yeah. And he was totally, you know, totally just for just that one event, you know, of Jesus dying on the cross. Um, but I think God is awesome because he's continuously proven himself to me over and over and over again by saving my life multiple times.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and he's awesome because he has used something that I've tried to hurt myself with to wow. save me. Wow. And only he can do that.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you guys for listening. Um, thanks for being here and um Kaylee, thank you so much for being part of this podcast.
2: Oh thanks. It was fun.
0: Yeah. Well, we love you all guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you guys in the next episode.
2: Awesome.